It's Friday, May 25th. This is Accelerate Daily. Coming up today, OpenAI pushes back on regulation. Google will be serving you AI-generated ads soon. Legal tech AI funding news and an AI to help you with that novel you've always wanted to write. Also, today's request for feature, AI fact checker. Put your goggles on. Let's jump into it. We, we got to start. We got to start working on that tagline. If anyone's listening, they have a good idea for a better tagline for what we end up talking about. Hit us with it. Uh, we'll, we'll try it out. <laughs> yeah. We certainly have enough days in the year. We keep this project going. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Adam. My name's Mackenzie. Good morning. And we're back with three links and one recipe to help you stay caught up with what's happening in AI. How, uh, uh, so we were going to, so we agreed to do our, our, our first bit here around your, uh, the TikTok you sent out earlier this morning, which goes with the banter you probably will have heard already. Intro um, about the tagline and stuff like that. Uh, as a producer of this kind of content, I don't really believe in a lack of authenticity in terms of like owning the artifice. That is like, look, we're making a show here. We have an editor. He makes it sound better for us. And then we put it in front of you. Part of that is figuring out what uh, we should even be talking about to be doing a compelling project here. But you had some insights. I thought were a good way to kick this, this one off. Sure. Yeah. So in sum, on the TikTok, um, I'll try to move through it quickly because we're doing a show. Uh, <laughs> there's this tension for a content creator. Like if you're if you're making content every single day because you have a mandate or it's a part of your job to do content, there's there's tension in like making sure that there's enough content going out and making sure that the content is good. So what does it mean to have good content and how do you stay on top of this stuff? And kind of a default mode is news. Hey guys, this thing just happened. Here's what that means. So. That kind of pattern is great most of the time. However, there's this other larger cultural arc that's been going on where there's competition between news media and other forms of attention, like cat videos on the internet and Magic the Gathering Let's Plays and so on and so forth. Like the internet has everything that you ever wanted to know and more. So what news media is doing now is becoming, uh, and this has been a long, 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 long time coming, is... um. Uh, it's highly sensationalist to capture and maintain your attention because maintaining your attention games the algorithm and it, it shows it to more people. We have a more successful and better show if we're showing you things that scare you. If, if we show you things that you hate and you're like, I don't like this at all and I'm commenting to let you know that I didn't like this, that is technically a better show <laughs> than it, something to the algorithm, liked, right? you didn't It's more engaged. About. It causes yeah. you to watch more ads. Yeah. It's what... <laughs> what YouTube wants you to, yeah, it's, it's a part of it, right? Which is, which gets to like, Hey, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening to this on YouTube right now, I know from the analytics that you probably found us through the recommended thing. I have no idea what video fed into it. Right. But like the Stuxnet one, you know, that, that headline reads, reads like, like scary, like scary. Yeah. That's a threat, right. Fear, yeah. uncertainty and doubt. Yeah. <laughs> And that's our most successful. But it's our most performant vi video so far. Exactly. Though, so, you know, immediately it starts that question of like, okay, we don't, we're not here to lean on that kind of thing. We hope anyone who found us because the headline read that way or something, because it's unavoidable when you cover the news. But you're right. You know, it's an interesting project to try to get the news every day. Mm -hmm. I'm inclined to throw this conversation out so early because it's more than that when you're doing this at the startup level where we are right now which is, yeah, we're talking about those things. We have a mandate to make daily content. 
partially because as marketers, that creates the best data for us figuring out how to how to solve the problem that we're trying to solve, you know, as entrepreneurs over here. Uh, but it comes down to community and 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 the thing of like, if you want to hear about other stuff, let us know. <laughs> Get in the yeah. comments. So I'm partially like rebalancing or recalibrating like who this content is for, right? Like yeah. uh, we had this kind of conversation about maybe the best people for this because both, like we're both platform companies. I'm not a part of Mission Control, right? I, I, they don't even pay me to be here. Um, so there's no, like we just, we both are two separate companies that offer platform solutions for achieving goals with AI. Complimentary. So, yeah. Complimentary platform. <laughs> not competing, complimentary because we serve right. different like segments of this same audience, which is, Product builders, right? Like somebody who's in charge of like some offering in the market. And so I don't know how interested those people are in daily news. And another thing that you'll see throughout this show, I predict, is that some of the things that we bring up are going to be very cool, but we're not going to be able to bring it home for a product owner and say, this is how you can start using this today. Because most of the cool things that we see on the horizon are waitlisted. So we can't give you advice. We can't go, here's how I use this to automate my things. And you could do the same, you know? Right. Well, and so that's why it gets to the conversation of, you know, kind of what we're doing here, right? Get in the comments, follow the links, tell us how you found us if you're interested in keeping up with this stuff. We can do a half hour a day on just cool ways to use AI if that's what people really want to hear that have, you know, clicked on these things or listening to the podcast, whatever they're doing. But for now, still hitting the news, hitting some stuff at the end, it's cool. But also, we know that people are watching, so... It's not like cool stuff didn't happen. (laughs) Thanks for stopping by, yeah. But I think the main message is, if you're here, stick around to be stoked about the acceleration of this stuff. Because, yeah, there's scary stuff and we want to talk about it because we're professionals here and we have to look at the pragmatic side of this stuff rolling out. But also, I work in this space because it's cool as shit and there's all kinds of fun stuff happening and that's really what we're here to talk about. Also, if you know of fun stuff, let us know. We'd be happy to cover it. It would make my job easier finding the stuff every morning. So we spent a little bit of extra time on that. Let's zoom through this, uh, the title card. This is, without question, the stupidest looking animal in the universe. <laughs> and uh, I, I, it could have gone stupider, but there's some weirdness going on here. So it's got um, eyes. It's like a toad uh, that's very fat and like ugly and hairy. But it has predator eyes. Did you notice that, Kerb? The eyes in the front give binocular vision so it can... Yeah, it's just kind of like a lump. <laughs> of, a, of a job of the hut situation, except this uh, stupid, non-threatening job of the hut, like sitting on a log with a galaxy in the background. I have no idea how. This is just without this question is almost the stupidest looking for <laughs> R slash Mid Journey more than it's <laughs> like, hey, here's a cool AI image. It's just hilarious. Yeah, Good Friday, <laughs> Good Friday vibes. Just I, stupid. I wonder nature. what it eats if it is the stupidest thing. <laughs> what could <laughs> what could it yeah. be for dating? But also, like you said, predator eyes. So. It's going to be best equipped to just like fall forward on any passing prey or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's do this thing. First up, we got OpenAI pushing back on EU regulation from Reuters. OpenAI may leave the EU if regulations bite, says the CEO, which is Sam Alton. Yeah, I'll throw this one in mainly as a contrast to the stuff that he said to Congress in the US. And I think it's. It's actually sort of to counter what I think is the easy narrative here for a lot of people covering it, which is like, oh, what a hypocrite. Like, no, that's the dance right now. There is a government trying to be really aggressive over in one corner and a company, the leader of a company has got to go and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
that's hard enough that it doesn't make sense for me to do business in your country. Like, it's not all a chess game of jerks, right? On the other side, he's asking for regulation out of the government of his home country because at the same time, he believes there should be laws about this stuff. These things can go ex- coexist. It's the dance of how we get to functional regulation. I, I read the draft from the EU. Did you read it yet? Yes. It's a lot. I agree. It's very aggressive. There's some stuff in there that as a business person, I go, ooh, that's going to... I don't know they're consi- Like, as a business person and technologist, I look at it and I go, oh, that's like... There's a reason the 230 carve-out exists, right? Like, there's a thing social media caused to have happen where we went, you know, if they have to be liable for every one of their posts, social media companies are going to go under, under the weight of users on their platform who say ridiculous things. It's a completely, like, it exists for a reason, not just because of politics. We need to start figuring that stuff out around, around AI. But yes, Europe's was very aggressive. And there are for sure things in there that I look at and go, ooh. It's so <laughs> long and it's so complicated. It's like, it's mostly religiousization for like foundational models, right? But there's confusion on like what, it, what a foundational model even is from right. news media reading that, like, I, so I got this from a client request. I, I told them that I hosted the code for their client work on GitHub. And they're like, oh, isn't GitHub AI like illegal in the EU now? And they sent me this legislation because they saw in a news article that GitHub would be liable for like AI things. But it was talking about like the found, like open source foundational models. Like they didn't want just anyone having access to like Vicuno or Llama or MPT, right? They want to make sure that those these open source things have a minimum requirement of like transparency so that the EU can know what the hell the model is actually doing which is questionable. Like, I don't even know if like the Vicuna maker knows what it's actually doing, right? And so the specific quote, the thing that's highlighted in this Reuters article is that OpenAI would have to disclose what copyrighted material, if any, was used to train it. And they might not know, right? <laughs> these foundational right. models are so big with so much data that they might not be able to comply with some of these seemingly reasonable transparency requests. Yeah, and so, so some of that is the regulation can't be that crazy. Like, he has the right to say this if it's too difficult. They need to back away from some of that stuff, align it to where we are with technology. I think the weirder part about it is it's just like, it's the beginning of explosive takeoff, potentially. Like, we don't know the acceleration curve. You can fight about that part in terms of how much we're accelerating, right? But you can already see from the discourse that we're ahead of, like, the human-powered mechanisms for figuring out how to regulate this stuff in terms of, He's going, okay, but then I can't offer this service here because I can't meet a couple of these promises. They can retrain compliant data sets like over time, but is the world ready to wait a couple of years while we sort it out? And they go, no, you can't have this thing anymore. Are the business leaders of the world ready for that to not exist? That's the real, the money wants this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. About, about, very half clear. Of, about half of my customers are in that, like, geographical region so they would this would be like a major blow to me if if you know he can't if i can't serve it there anymore um so i hope they figure it out but speaking of acceleration and waiting our next story is a little bit of a tortoise in the hair moment generative ai google ads from wired google will soon show you ai generated ads advertisers can save money and perhaps make ads more clickable using chat gpt style tools to generate text and images meta is testing similar technology the images are really good, you guys. We've all used Midjourney and we've all tried to use Midjourney to write like an ad and it doesn't come out quite right, but these are very specialized foundational models specifically for writing ads. So they, they're specialized for like 
this is where the product is. And this is the text on the product, which a lot of generative images struggle with. They really, really struggle with text. But Google has solved that. So what's exciting about this one is, for me, I've kind of been like, well, obviously, Google has the resources and the compute space to be doing really well with AI. But where are their products? Where is the Google AI thing? Like, where where's your stuff, Google? And so they've been waiting, they've been building. And now I'm starting to understand why, because this capability of having the same image across multiple generation sets, like the exact same product across general multiple sets, masking, proper text, um, and then text prompts for all of it is something that not even like stable uh, diffusion is capable of right now. So this is when this releases, this will be the best generative image model available. And so that's like the tortoise and the hare story here. Like they're doing stuff that we kind of don't know about to get to results that we currently don't have access to. And that's really exciting. Yeah, from the beginning, the narrative about Google, how did Google lose the race? Uh, No, they just... They haven't started. They've been working (laughs) on the project for a while. Yeah. May have been backburnered, right? You might go, I've only been a team of 10 scientists for a little while. Yeah, well, look what you can do with ChatGPT. If those 10 scientists already had it for a few years, which is worth thinking might be the case from their public models, maybe not. But they also control this whole other thing, which is the search ads and all that kind of stuff, right? Like what I thought was the coolest in this demo as somebody working at a tiny startup as a marketing leader, although I was at a big company before that, like uh, one of my favorite tactics to use in a place where I am right now, but also that I was stunned to find they didn't do in these bigger companies still, is like just content testing at the top of the funnel. Like it's an okay test to run an ad just to see if that message works and also if designs work. And so all of our ad campaigns started with 25 pictures. And then we would slowly winnow it down based on like, hey, this one is converting and we didn't expect it. You know, Cafe Nerd did really well for us in a campaign and we didn't we we just picked that randomly. You, you never know the thing that's going to yeah, work, just right? So it happens all the time in marketing. Yeah. Yeah. And so split one testing thing that, is more than okay, it's vital. You have to do it. Right. So, <laughs> you have to. So we so there's a lot of tactics that we're always like they're like my you know, it's part of the secret sauce of understanding this stuff if you're a marketer that gets hired onto things and you go, "Okay, I'm going to whip your ads into shape." Part of it is do things like this. Yeah. A lot of that has gotten easier over time. I've been doing it my entire career and it used to be entirely manual. Now it's evolved into like you come up with all the headlines and you put them all in and then they run different combinations of the stuff mm-hmm. and then you start seeing certain ads do better. Yeah. And you can do the same with creative, but creative yeah. has always still been upload a picture. Yeah. Right? And then you and you do your own testing around the picture configurations and stuff. So when you see that that was already happening, this piece is pretty inevitable. Yeah, which totally. is to say, look, we also know which pictures perform the best across a, an, an amazing range of data. This thing can make for you for you pictures that you may not have learned from testing or experience actually are the ones that convert. Yeah. After being nice to Google, um, I would like to plug, you still have to wait for this, but uh, the text portion is available on gptboss.com. I recently added a feature where you could put your landing page into the chat. It'll read your offer. And then if you put instruction, hey, can you come up with 10 Google ads for this link? Um, it'll go out, read that link, and then come back to you with those 10 ads. And then you could say, make 20 more, make 30 more, right? So if you want to start running these split tests with eight, this ChatGPT style tool to write ads, this is something that I've been working on since January, it's May. So we're at month five. Um, it's been in public, I've been getting public feedback, and people are using this to drive a lot of like results already. So if, you, if like the images I don't have, I'm sorry, but if you want to start using AI for writing your ads and running split tests, that's available right now at gptboss.com. 
which, like you said, this isn't live yet. We don't know what it'll look like once it pops out, if it'll cost any differently than other things. And also, you got to consider what you're using it for, right? Almost all of their demo content was product ads. You know, like, like, can we put a, 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 you know, a saying on a mug and then put that mug in a thousand settings? They're not going to work the same if you're selling a law firm, I don't think. And y'all at home, cross your fingers for me that the image will have an, an API that I could integrate <laughs> so you could get the images on GPT Boss too. Legal tech news. I am technically by training a lawyer. My previous startup was a legal tech company. So I still watch this stuff. Uh, and AI is eating that space as well. From Semaphore, the headline says, money pours into AI startups that save countless hours of legal paperwork. Uh, this is largely, though, about a friend from the legal tech community's website. Rally Legal, they were called for a long time. Document management stuff. But there's all, they've always been at the edge of how you deal with your documents at a law firm. So they've got a, you know, some users, not users, enough users to raise a bunch of money for that tool. And have recently been building something called Spellbook, which uses AI to do legal contract things. Super exciting. If you're a lawyer, check it out. As a fellow entrepreneur, I agree that this is a place that should be eaten by AI. The lawyers can't charge you so much money to defend your rights under the law. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I hope that lawyering gets to a place where it's about like the creativity of argument instead of like who can remember the case law the best. Yeah. But congrats to them raising some money and uh, personally stoked that AI is eating the legal profession. I think most people would be if you look at the sentiment analysis on when it comes to lawyers as a profession. <laughs> okay, next up, here's a creative one to wrap this up on your Friday. AI novel writing. Uh, from The Verge, the headline says, I tried the AI novel writing tool everyone hates, and it's better than I expected. This is kind of a long read for the weekend, but the author runs through the entirety of trying to write uh, like a sci-fi novel with one of these tools. And it's not bad. And, this, and, the, and the thing that, that makes me think of an early experience I had with LLMs that was for me a moment of like, ooh, okay, this really has progressed since the last time I was playing with it. And it was asking it to make a joke involving, I don't remember, it was, it was actually a prompt I got during like a talk or something that was just tell a joke about something and something and something. And it wrote a joke that really was funny in, in ways that a comedian would look at and go, ooh, that's an important subtlety that makes that a multi-layered joke. But if you ask it to do it a bunch of times, it only does that one out of a certain number of times. So there's still sort of like a, probabilistic aspect to getting that output. Though, like, it doesn't surprise me that a project like this is able to have pull quotes that as I was reading it caused me to go, ooh, that's a good line. <laughs> but this is a crazy one, because like, you know how long it takes to write a novel? Really long time. How do you feel about this one as well? I'm curious, so I'm curious, Mac, in terms of, you know, I know you, you have tools that can help people with exactly this sort of thing at different volumes. Like, what's the challenge here, right? Like, what's the probability that this thing you get in, that the average person gets in there and actually has the experience that this author is talking about? The, the hardest part about a novel is no longer, like, the writing, I think. Like, so, right. so with the question prompt being, do you think that an average person could write a book with this? Yes. Do I think that they could write a good book? I think that storytelling is a completely separate skill from writing and editing. 
And it's been awkward. Like part of the huge difficulty of writing a novel is that you have to get this artifice, this technical ability of like, here's how words go together. Here's how you describe sight, smell, sound, data, and then fold that in with a story that is like it has engaging enough characters and they have enough development as well as the thematic events of your story is something that resonates with people that they enjoy and they feel like they've learned something and they would recommend this book to somebody else. So those are the next skills to work on. I think if you already have those skills, or if you don't care about not having those skills, this would be a really good tool. And then moving back to like the market, which was my first instinct on this, there is a lot of tension between like all in one, right? Like uh, my AI friend, like my like limit for my Dunbar's number of like what tools I use, you kind of want to have your AI friend like do the most that you possibly can. But for specific tasks, you're always going to be better served by specialized software. So this tool, um, the tool mentioned is uh, pseudo rate. And um, it looks really phenomenal for the specific task of fiction writing. Uh, so if you're interested in fiction, definitely try it out. I'm going to let the discord know about this. I'm just seeing this for the first time today. It looks cool. Looks really cool. I think it's easy to look at this and think about the job loss piece because there's certainly a class of creative who has, you know, cut their teeth on cut their teeth to get where they are, where they are, but like their whole value prop is I can do the part of putting this into words better than other people, which like you said is is almost like the technical part. I I think people would argue there's an art to it as well, but that's it's like blacksmithing. You know what I mean? Like it's equal parts like art and technical ability. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this, this minimizes the technical ability. And to me, that the exciting part there is like, you know, how many dads making up, you know, bedtime stories for their kids out there have, have what it takes to, to tell that story and make up the thing but can't draw or, or, you know, they're not good with a turn of phrase in such a way as to for the world to never see that. Yeah, um, see that idea. And if we then assume that markets will continue to reward whatever the best stuff is, then we're going to have some like kids stories, books, like whatever version of SoundCloud where you get little Nas X's just out of nowhere and yeah. go, wow, yeah, that's that was a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, I'm really excited uh, for that. Uh, uh, Justin Bieber, you know, and I guess you could have your qualms with the quality of those things, right? But like, it's a pop culture algorithm surfacing stuff people like. It's interesting that this is happening. Like long form content is getting easier to write at the same time that attention spans are diminishing. Right. So that part of it will be interesting because it's all a war for attention. Like we talked about at the top of the episode. Okay. Get to the recipe for today. You know what, Kerb? I saw an ad for this exact product right before the show. This exact thing? This exact thing. Literally this exact thing. Well, we should look up what it is and we can send a link or something. Yeah. But this was meant to just be sort of a, okay, how, well, like, what would the challenges of actually doing this be? Awesome if it already exists because it's a thing that we need. But I can also see where that thing might be, you know, like now it becomes a question of how do you audit that thing to have it be doing this properly? But the request for feature is fact check AI. The simple flowchart here is fact to an LLM to a real-time score. Like, how close are we to having a trustworthy oracle that can run during a Donald Trump town hall and effectively fact-check all of the, the lies, like, faster than a human moderator can? Because the human moderator only gets to speak up every once in a while, and there's all kinds of politics around what they're allowed to say. Like, the problem with 
and I single out Trump because he's an epic example, but like it's, it's rampant <laughs> all over the place that we have a problem of like, I don't know what to trust. And people are just saying what they believe like, yeah. as fact. You know, and, it would go crazy if it was like uh, hooked up to like an alarm. So like he, somebody's like on stage saying something and then they like finish their <laughs> sentence and there's just an extremely loud, incorrect buzzer noise. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but so in terms of the technical challenge that is not what um, the product is by the way the, the product I was looking yeah. at is like you write and then you make a claim in your writing and then it searches the internet to find a source for that claim and then okay. it to it yeah no my idea was more like can I get a browser extension that fact checks news sites that sounds like probably based on what you were just saying and then I, the more I aggressive had, version would be the thing I just pitched about like political debates yeah right I had a person from TikTok reach out and say, hey, this is my product idea. I want to have a fact checker extension. And I said, I don't want to go near that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that guy because that is an Oracle task, right? Right. Like if you're on a news site and then you want to say that fact is wrong, then the only way that you could do that is by referencing an Oracle that you either own or approve of. Right. So this Oracle problem is, we're super used to Oracle problems from, um, crypto uh, to try to get like off-chain activity on-chain. But um, in, in the case of AI, it's like single store of truth, right? So how do we have a democratically controlled single store of truth that is never wrong? I don't know if that's a possible task. I, I don't know if that can be done. Right. And that's what this requires. So that, so I was, I was prepared for that. Ignoring the Oracle problem, <laughs> which is that, okay, this idea is going to break down on some level of yeah, but there's possible bias in the oracles you've chosen for your whatever, right? The, I think a more, a, a cleaner way to look at it where you can see that it is maybe a technical challenge that is solvable, except for where it hits human arguing, meet computers and with feelings, mm -hmm. is like the, the provenance stuff we were talking about with images. Mm -hmm. You could imagine a consortium of camera makers agreeing to put a tag into all of their systems that will apply this cryptographic key that lets anyone check through the provenance of this stuff and Adobe and all the image makers are on board and all the professionals are blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, a publication can reliably know if the image they're using is has whatever rights attached for intellectual property purposes, technically solvable people working on it. Yeah. That part of it aside, my question is, is AI to a point where it can conceivably like take the ideas from that thing, parse it, be some sort of registry that because we could also approach this from a understandability and transparency standpoint, which is to say like foundational models that do X, which is back check against a giant corpus of compliant journalism, basically. Uh, we, we could build that, right? I mean, you could train that model now that can consume the, the input of text or transcript or audio and actually flag which things are not true if you can solve the oracle problem yeah crazy <laughs> yeah i'm I, like i don't know like i just the, the so another way to deal with like i'm reminded of like rage against the machine right like i have like testify going through my head yeah um, who controls the past controls the future right so that oracle problem is something that's so pernicious that i really want to avoid one way to deal with it is the way that twitter does it which is like community feedback but that it does not work for like emerging news you know what i mean like right. there could be some database like this, but it's unlikely that there would be community feedback on enough data points that every single talking point in a political debate would be covered by this database that is democratically controlled. Very, very, very difficult problem. Right. 
It's interesting though, because what you talk about is functionally direct democracy, right? Oh, I you love direct democracy. If you want the public score, if you want the public square to not suck, and it's like I okay, promised I would never most... make policy recommendations on the show, <laughs> so I'll just say I like dem- direct democracy. <laughs> I do too, but yeah, I think that community point is uh, a great, a great pivot point for us to get out of here. Community feedback, like you just said, like we said at the top of this episode. If you made it this far, let us know what you think. Leave a review. Uh, subscribe, don't subscribe, get in the comments. I don't know. We're publishing this a bunch of different places. But let us know what you think of this problem, how we might solve this problem, right? Like this is a very real thing in a world where the the, the people who are trying to tell lies are going to be able to flood the zone even harder. Totally. Word. It's Friday and it's a long weekend. So we won't be here Monday, but we'll be back Tuesday for more Accelerate Daily. I've been Adam. All right. I've been Mackenzie. See y'all. Take it easy, everybody.